Welcome back to Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And today we have a guest. And this is actually a milestone because you're our first male guest. James is so he said oh he gets to be the first male guest i go oh i didn't know you were vibing for that spot <laughs> i know we tried to we wanted to do one that i have suggested we do one that the the husbands clarify because of all the stories we tell about them so this is why you're a good first guest because now you kind of could clarify if you had to right well I, i'm honored to be here thank <laughs> so you go for ahead. having me so this is dustin go ahead and introduce yourself dustin okay. tell us a little bit about yourself i'm uh dustin smiley i in many circles i'm better known as the husband of sarah smiley (laughs) but i've retired from the navy uh where i I served for 20 years i i have family background from bangor i and am finally now living here myself as well uh flying for life flight of maine i fly the helicopter i also uh sell real estate with era dawson bradford and uh, I'm on the board at Habitat for Humanity of Greater Bangor and the Bangor West Little League here. And uh, I guess probably my most important job is uh, I'm the father of three boys, Ford, Owen, and Lyndall. Yes. Awesome. Yes, we've sent some we've sent some house shoppers your way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I've definitely appreciated that. And I, I've enjoyed uh, helping families find their home especially here in the Bangor area. Uh, we're big fans of Bangor, and uh, we love to see great people move to town as well. So, Dustin, you when did you officially retire from the Navy? So that was July of 2017. Okay, so you're, this is about your one-year yes, anniversary. Yes, just about a year ago. And you, so for people who maybe haven't read Sarah's book, books or her blog or followed her blog you and Sarah have not lived in the same dwelling permanently for how many years since 2011 uh, prior to last year so it was about a six-year stretch six-year stretch so how has the first year back with the family gone I guess uh in some ways maybe people would say surprisingly smooth um, <laughs> I think uh, I think that we've uh, we've worked well as a family, um, defining I guess our routines and uh, and giving each other space when when that's needed. Uh, so I think it's gone really well. Uh, it, there's certainly some changes, you know, when uh, I had to figure out how to uh, how to occupy weekends, uh, either walking around D.C. or I did a lot of driving from Rhode Island up to Maine when I was stationed down in New Newport, Rhode Island. Um, but I found a lot of ways to get involved in the community here. So I'm not just sitting around the house. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sarah not doesn't have to deal with that too much. Um, and it's been great to be home and get involved with uh, the boys um, playing sports, getting outside with them, uh, seeing them on a daily basis instead of having to wait maybe a week or or weeks or months at times to to catch up on what's going on at home and you your last deployment was how many years ago that was through 2012 so about five uh, to six years ago i remember because i remember when sarah wrote about it about the snowblower 
And she told the story of you announcing your deployment as being like, oh, I need to try to use the snowblower. So my question is, who snowblowed last winter? <laughs> well, so last winter, <laughs> last winter, we actually um, hired someone <laughs> to plow the driveway. Did uh, you already know the answer to that <laughs> no, question? <laughs> but, uh, our, our boys had become pretty good helpers, too. So when uh, when maybe... You know, the plow truck has not come yet. Yeah. Uh, and we need to get out there and shovel. Uh, the boys are usually really good, especially our oldest son, Ford. Um, he's kind of the early riser of the family. Sometimes he'll just get out there and start himself, you know, before <laughs> anyone else has, uh, has thought about it. So what was your greatest fear about entering retirement? I guess uh, in some ways the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um it was exciting to to think that I was going to have a lot of uh, potential options of what I might do for a career change, um, but it was also, it's difficult too knowing, well, you can't necessarily guarantee that whatever you want to do is going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Life Flight of Maine was a great opportunity for me right here in Bangor. Mm-hmm. And the timing worked out wonderfully where they needed a pilot right when I was uh, transitioning to the civilian world. So I think it worked out for everybody there. But going into it, I didn't really know, for example, if that timing would work out. Mm-hmm. And how do you and uh, how do you like being a life flight pilot? So we live we we all live in the same neighborhood and we're between the hospital and the airport. So we recognize the life flight. So my kids forever know that the green and white helicopter, oh, they're going to help someone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that, and then there's the military helicopters, which are different. So we see them all the time and it seems like they're pretty active. So how, how do you like being a life flight pilot? So I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we have a great group of people that we work with. Uh, the team on the helicopter is we have the one pilot, uh, one flight nurse, one flight paramedic, and it's usually a, a different group uh, every day. People rotate around on different schedules, um, but but these folks are the best at, at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, wherever we show up, someone really needs them uh, to provide care to them. Uh, so you you get the feeling that you're doing something that's very worthwhile, and uh, you go to work knowing you're going to help people every day and get to work with people who are the best at what they do Mm -hmm. um so it's been really rewarding Mm -hmm. i I grew up in rural maine so life flight is one of those services that is absolutely essential right to rural maine because you know i we live here in bangor and we have two hospitals we have a trauma center where you know something happens here you know we could sometimes we could probably drive there quicker than we could call the ambulance to come and get us Mm -hmm. but growing up in rural maine it is an hour to a medical center, which is not really a hospital, and then two hours to Bangor. And a lot of times people will say if something happens, you know, apply pressure and drive to Bangor and take the back roads or whatever. So having life flight available for these rural communities is so essential. How far have you had to fly? Uh, the farthest uh, trips I've done have been up to Fort Kent and back, and then also taking patients uh, sometimes from Bangor or 
from other medical centers down to Boston as well. That my brother-in-law was <laughs> is one of those. Actually. Oh, really? Okay. He, he had an accident. Um, he was working with a table saw and he cut off most of his hand. Oh, wow. And so he was not in danger. And I actually kind of didn't even think about this with LifeLight, but he wasn't in danger of dying. He, you know, he they he was stable or whatever, and but he had lost most of his hand. They found his fingers and. But Life Flight took him and his fingers to Boston right. to see if they could do anything for reattachment. It, it ultimately didn't work, but I was like, I always kind of think of Life Flight as like a car crash or a heart attack on a remote island or something like that. But it, it was interesting to know that that was how he got there so quickly to try to alleviate any damage. It's always uh, something that's medically necessary. So that's determined by either an emergency medical uh, dispatch um, person or a physician. To, to make that call and actually about 80% of our transports are from rural uh, medical centers mm-hmm. to a larger hospital mm-hmm. and then uh, the remaining sometimes are those scene calls where we go out to an accident either a vehicle accident or something else that that happened away from a medical center uh, but a lot of them are transporting from small uh, places in the rural parts of Maine to a larger hospital. So are, do, are you required to have additional training beyond your flight certificate license? Uh, like HIPAA? Uh, what other types of... Do they so train you in HIPAA? Or are you- we, so we're not... Uh, the pilots are not uh, medical providers ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll certainly always help out if they need, uh, if they need assistance, maybe lifting the stretcher into the aircraft if they need some equipment um while they're with the patient they need me to go back and bring some equipment to that i'll I'll help out as much as uh they need me to but we're not providers ourselves so we don't get any uh beyond first aid type of assistance um that most people would would try to get some knowledge of Uh, we don't we don't get deeper medical training did you do any type of medical flying when you were in the Navy? Once in a while um, in the Navy, the community I was with was kind of the do-everything helicopter community. So uh, so we would do medevacs if, uh, if the need arose. We were flying off the aircraft carrier when I was deployed, and we were part of a battle group. So a lot of times someone on one of the smaller ships would need to get to the aircraft carrier where we had a larger uh, medical department, more doctors available, um, or sometimes we would need to get somebody ashore for something that was more serious. So I did a few of those flights, uh, but in those cases, the medical crew that flew with us <clears throat> was more just, uh, they were kind of passengers along with the, uh, with the patient. With Life Flight, the medical crew, flies with us every day so they're really part of the crew they're they're integral to the crew they help us with uh with our lookout for traffic they know about what obstacles we need to uh, be aware of how we assess our landing zone so Mm. um they're they're kind of a hybrid between the medical crew that would fly with me as passengers and then the air crew that would fly with me uh on a daily basis in the helicopter in the Navy, they kind of they have a lot of training and uh, experience in both those realms. Mm-hmm. So, people who may not know this, but Sarah is terrified of flying. 
She is. (laughs) And her father was a pilot, right? That's right. And you are. And have the boys flown yet? Have you surrounded uh, her with pilots? Actually, Ford's the only one that has flown. And he he was able to do a life flight flight with me. Actually, it was not a medical transport. We just needed to move the helicopter uh, from one location to another. But I was able to get permission for him to go along with me. Uh, moving the helicopter that day that was a really neat experience and he's flown commercially as yeah. well uh owen and lindell have not actually flown uh <laughs> but i would say that lindell kind of shares some of his uh mother's anxiety over that and then owen i think is is ready to do it just uh you know the time hasn't come up where he needed to yet <laughs> i have a th- i have a theory that some of Sarah's fear of flying, which is well known, so I don't feel like we're gossiping about her. Right, she talks about right. this. Just to I think clarify, she's, I'm, I'm pretty positive she's written about. Oh yeah, that. oh yeah. she has. But I feel like part of her fear of flying is that she has spent her whole life having sort of probably a low level anxiety about all of her loved ones being in the air. So when she's in the air, then it puts it on her, and she thinks of all the loved ones that she has that she would worry about. So I think that probably so my, that's my like armchair psychology diagnosis of Sarah's fear of flying. Okay. Yes. But we're talking, we were trying to convince her to go, where were we going to, remember we talked at, um, we had a girls night out type thing and we were talking about trying to convince her to fly with us like New York oh, City. Oh, to New York City because the flights are so it's cheap. A quick flight. A direct cheap. flight from Bangor to New York <laughs> yeah. City. You can, they've been as low as $67. Oh, wow. So we were telling her, let's just do it. We'll get on, <laughs> we'll go to New York City for the, I don't like flying either. Yeah. But I do it. I mean, it sounds like she's a little more extreme than me, but I hate, I am terrified of flying too. So I hate horses. Like I will fly around the world. I will fly in any plane. I love it. But put me near a horse and I'm done. I'm like, no, I don't need to be near that horse. What are you afraid of a horse? They're just, they're bigger. They have those big eyes and those (laughs) big teeth and no. They may buck you. Freak me out. Yeah. So what is it like living in a public life and having your wife write about your family i think i'm accustomed to it now Mm -hmm. uh at the beginning it was uh, it was a lot uh more uncomfortable i guess Uh, (laughs) when she was first writing uh and we were down in florida i would go into work i was a flight instructor at the time and uh, i would go in to get my flight gear for the day and there would be people that work there that i didn't know very well and they would just start talking to me about things that had happened in my life over the past week or so. And uh, and it would take me a few seconds for it to register that, oh, obviously they had read Sarah's column. Yeah. And maybe maybe I had not read that one yet. That, was, that had just been published that day. Uh, but it would usually click with me. And that took some adjustment. Uh, but it's been years and years that she's been writing now, so... I think I just take it as part of life now. Yeah. So it's, if someone mentions something that I wouldn't think they would know about, I immediately know that Sarah's obviously written about this. Well, I love it. And there have been columns there. One that stands out in particular, and this is from years ago. I think you guys had just moved to Bangor and it was a column about, and now I'm picking on you, about your shoes <laughs> okay, and how you have your lawn mowing shoes and you have your bike riding shoes and you have sure. your walking the dog shoes Doesn't and you have everybody? your not walking the dog shoes. <laughs> James has this same thing. It's, it's an entire laundry basket of shoes I have to move upstairs because there's about eight different pair of Nike sneakers 
Yeah, that so are I, all for a different purpose. Right. Yeah. So I had had this like, so I was, that came out and I had been like, Dave, what is up with that? Like, I have like sneakers and I have sandals and I have dress shoes. Boom, boom, boom. Done. The end. And he has like, and then he'll buy the same pair of shoes and then they get all get rotated down a level. And so that, that piece came out and I immediately sent it to him. And he was like, see, I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, so oh my God. I guess the, the thing that surprises me though is... If I look in Sarah's closet, she certainly has more than three pairs of shoes. I get a pretty hard time, you know, when, I, when I've got some shoes for a couple different purposes, you know. If these uh, if these shoes had been grass stained and I think I don't want to wear them if I'm just trying to be presentable in public, you know, I think I need another set. She doesn't always agree. <laughs> See, and Dave will hear this and be he, I. I can, I'm going to call it out now because Dave edits our podcast. I'm going to say, Dave, I know that you're going to read this. You're going to go home and you're going to start taking pictures of all of my shoes because I probably have more than three pair. Fine. Yeah. But I don't have like a dedicated, this is the only shoe that I use or multiple pairs of the same shoes that just get, they get worn out to a point. So then they get demoted to lawn mowing shoes. And then once they have holes in them, then they're, then they can get thrown out. Right. Actually, he had a pair with holes in them that he put in like the Goodwill pile. And I was like, no. These are, you got your money out of these shoes. No one else wants them. And I threw them away. I I think, I guess this is just, from my analysis, it seems to be that uh, sometimes men have shoes that are uh, associated with a purpose. And then the part that I have trouble understanding is sometimes Sarah will tell me she got a new outfit. So she needs a pair of shoes for this outfit. And I think, you know, I guess I don't usually get a pair of shoes for one outfit. It's for a, a purpose. It's very practical. Truth right. comes out, yes. Sarah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So does she ask you permission before she... Because I know she's really careful with the boys, and I could understand that because, you know, they're going, especially going through adolescence and kids, read their parents reading the columns and saying, say, you know, asking them questions about it. It could be embarrassing. But do you get... Does she ask you permission or are you just like, whatever? Write about anything. Oh, for writing? Yeah. No. Uh, she certainly does not ask my permission. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I guess she does, once in a while, she will ask me to read a column um, because she she likes to, I guess, make sure that um, she's, she's not offending people or yeah. has thought about, you know, particular sensitivities that someone might have if they're reading it and so sometimes I'll try to read it with a different perspective just to give her feedback if she asks but definitely I would not classify it as permission (laughs) by any means yeah so you're you're fair game yes oh yeah yeah Yeah, I definitely am and uh I think she'll she pulls punches at times with the boys you know because uh if if she sees that they're having a a rough time of just not wanting extra attention at that uh, stage of uh, growing up or whatever. Right. She'll she'll write about them less, but I think I'm pretty much fair game. <laughs> You're fully grown. Yes, fair that's game. right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Well, it's so interesting because her, I think what why people like her column is she's very honest and and raw. And I remember when reading the book um, Dinner with the Smileys. And I should probably read it again because I'm similar to the phase with my boys that she was at that time. And I remember thinking when I was about to go to your house for the first time, 
oh, I bet it's going to be chaotic and kind of messy because the book talks about all these things. But no, all the kids are so well adjusted. They were calling me Mrs. The house (laughs) is perfectly cleaned up. Everyone is so respectable. And so I just think that I really appreciate how honest she is about parenting and the struggles because I think so many people, especially nowadays with social media, just try to paint a perfect picture of what it's like to raise kids. So when I started to run into a lot of challenges with parenting, I thought, gosh, why didn't anyone ever talk about how hard this is? I think she's one of the you know, first people that I had read, and this is before I even had my own kids, where she kind of, you know, expressed some of the challenges of parenting. So I appreciate that about her. Definitely. And I think sometimes people give her a hard time. You know, oh, yeah. like she got, she got, I remember one, it was about the waffle. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and then and then they were giving her a hard time about feeding the kids Fruit Loops or something like that, or I can't remember. <laughs> but then, it's like the things people poke on. Why, and uh I think when she was writing about maybe that waffle incident, it was our middle son, Owen, uh, and he actually didn't really appreciate that attention at that time, (laughs) at that age he was at. So Sarah actually kind of refrained from writing about him as much for a while. And at one point, I think she started having a couple readers write uh, comments saying, she obviously doesn't love her middle son <laughs> as much because she's not writing about him. She's like, no, like I love him so much that I'm respecting right. his wishes, she, yeah, but people she, can't, people can't under, can't think past their own. That's right. Notes. She had heard what, yeah. you know, what he wanted and, and she was respecting that. And, and he's grown past that as well. You know, it's, I think it's tough um, for children sometimes too, to get more attention than, than they're seeking. Yeah. And I think that they've probably all our boys have gone through that at different times where maybe they didn't want as much attention, but then there's certainly other times that they've really had enjoyable experiences and and really wanted their mom to to write things in the paper. Well, all all three of your boys are always I mean, whenever we see them they're always so like polite and nice. Oh they pulled God. up Thank next you. to us. Uh Owen is yes. driving now and pulled up next to us at the market on the way to the beach club the other day and I was like look I'm like it's because you didn't see it was Sarah I don't think because she was in the passenger seat right I said oh it's a kid because I was trying to back up and in my brain I thought oh if you just let me back out you can take my spot because I actually didn't know there was a parking spot next to me and so I go oh it's a kid like he's not that's why he's not doing what I think he should do (laughs) and then they pull up and I look over and Gretchen and I at the same time go oh it's it's Sarah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Sarah's in the passenger seat. When right. you, 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 it's weird to see a friend in the passenger seat and not the driver's seat. Or even um, Lyndall does golf with my older daughter, and he was such a good sport. They had this match this week, and he got put on a team where it was four girls and him. Okay. And I know that some of those boys on that golf league would have pitched a fit, would have been like, no. And he, okay. And he played. And he did great, and he was so polite and respectful and just didn't complain. And I'm sure it – I mean, I don't think any kid – like, I don't think any 10- or 11-year-old kid really wants to be the only boy on the team with a bunch of girls who are all older than him. And he was – took it right in stride, was such a good sport about it. He was great. So Yeah, he's And he's he did well. Kid. I took some videos. I, I actually took videos for Sarah because she was not able to get there on time. But he was great. 
And I always see Ford at work, and he's so happy and so yeah. polite. And then also at the baseball opening day, Ford was emceeing. That's right. And I thought it was you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He is a miniature you. It is so <laughs> crazy. He looks like you. His voice sounds like yours. I was mind blown when because I thought he was supposed to be emceeing, but I'm sitting in the stands, and I thought, oh well, he must have got you know he's going to be a senior in high school. He probably something came up. Dustin's doing it. The whole ceremony, I think it's you. And then he walks out, and I go, whoa. <laughs> Were you emceeing? He's like, yeah, I was. I said, oh, my gosh, you sound just like your dad. <laughs> I thought he did a great job. He did an amazing so job. I guess I'm uh, I'm glad you thought that was me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> he, he did a great job. <laughs> he did an awesome job. So uh, when, when people – so you sell houses here in the Bangor area. Yes. So – You've had a couple new. You're a new Mainer. Well, you have like a family tie to it, right? A generation back or so, but in general, you're a new Mainer. And one of the things that I think is important for Maine and Bangor is to be welcoming to new Mainers and to be welcoming to new people who are moving to town. And like, I really want Bangor to be a collection of welcoming neighborhoods because I feel like when you're in a wel- in a neighborhood where you feel welcome, you feel safe. So when you have people coming to Bangor or as a new Mainer, what would you say makes Bangor different from other places? Well, we have a great combination here of we're a smaller town, um, not necessarily as Maine goes, but if people are moving away from away, uh, oftentimes they're moving from a larger city potentially uh, to Bangor, which feels like a smaller town to them. Yet, uh, it's we have so much to do here still, mm-hmm. um, and that's really that's grown since we've first moved here in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things going on uh, as far as like the concerts, things going on downtown, uh, lots of community organizations that give people an opportunity to get involved uh, and have a lot of um, just events going on for kids to go do things, mm-hmm. uh, sports to get involved with. I think you can pretty much do uh, everything that you want in Bangor. You can get to Boston. You can get to other areas quickly. Um, yet you've got that smaller neighborhood feel mm-hmm. um, where people seem to uh, to care about each other, you know, are willing to lend a hand. And we moved up here from the south, and uh, southern hospitality, of course, is, you know, a term <laughs> itself. Um, but we found the difference was that maybe up here, people aren't very demonstrative about helping others out necessarily. But when we were trying to figure out how do you take care of things in the winter, you know, how do you mm-hmm. how do you handle snow and ice uh, on Hire your driveway, <laughs> on, the, on the roof of your house, you know? Right. Um, neighbors who were out working on their driveways and their house uh, would see me struggling at times and then you know come over and they'd give me just enough help you know of what I needed but not not because they uh, really wanted to be known for that or uh, wanted to to make it you know a thing but just because they saw I needed help so they came over to help and then they went back, you know, to to do their own thing. So it's a great combination of uh, people respect each other's privacy. People 
respect uh, that there's differences among us, you know, and people might do different things with their house. Uh, whereas we came from the world of playing communities, you know, where <laughs> every house was was very uh, similar in the same neighborhood. Maybe it was painted different color, mm-hmm. you know, but it was the same model house and everyone had to have a fence that was kind of the same. And uh, we really appreciate the diversity, you know, and having people on our street of all ages with that do uh, all sorts of different vocations and uh, the interconnectedness of, of people too. We, we would meet somebody and realize they were family members of someone who worked at the school or, you know, right. some other connection mm-hmm. throughout the community. So I guess it was kind of the combination of many of those different things that really has made us love Bangor. Mm-hmm. Well, we actually were kind of talking about this this morning on our walk. We were talking about how the neighborhood is the is the biggest asset you buy when you purchase over here. Right. And how it doesn't have the HGTV double vanity walk-in closet you know, bonus room over the garage and all that Attached stuff. Attached garage. <laughs> Attached <laughs> garage, period. Garage, yeah. yeah. You know, Abbey garage. But I would happily, like I am happily in a house without any of those things to be in this neighborhood. And when you see these planned communities and you see the gate or the, the entrance, the big brick entrance, right. and it will have a, oh, home still available starting in the 500s. And I see that <laughs> and I think... So everyone in this neighborhood can afford a house in the 500s. Right. So you've automatically right. segregated yourself from huge pieces of the population. And in our neighborhood, we have houses from the five figures to houses. I don't know if you have a $500,000 house in this. Well, West Broadway, <clears throat> those probably can go for 500. Mm-hmm. So we have this whole range. But all those kids generally go to the school, go to right. the same school. You're hanging out. You're with... Mm-hmm all kinds of kids from different backgrounds and from different experiences and I find that way more valuable than and a walk-in closet and yeah. floor plan B. That's, that's <laughs> just know? registering too you know I haven't thought of it in those terms but a lot of times you know in the parts of Florida that we have lived in uh, with those planned communities they are they often are gated mm-hmm. you know so um, in some ways it's kind of like you're not expected to go in that uh, community unless you're invited in um, or live there yourself. Right. Uh, whereas in Bangor, we're all connected. Yeah. You know, you can walk throughout the entire city of Bangor mm-hmm. and you're expected and welcome everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. so you're walking through. If you don't live in the nicest neighborhood, you know, or the most uh, expensive neighborhood, you can walk through it and enjoy it you know, mm-hmm. regardless. Um, so that's that's something that I know we've enjoyed, even though it, I didn't always specifically think of it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we're... I, uh, my brother's girlfriend is in graduate school, and she had to do some kind of community analysis for her policy class. <clears throat> and she was telling me that for our neighborhood the way it's broken up in the district, I think it goes a little wider than just the way the school is divided. I think it goes down to Vine. It covers Vine and 14th districts. She said that we are, we represent the highest medium, median income in the city and also the lowest. So the highest and the lowest live in the same neighborhood. 
And I know that other cities, big cities, are trying to address the idea of um, diverse socioeconomics living mm-hmm. together. I know in New York, in the like, if they're if they build a new a high end apartment rental luxury housing they have to have a certain percentage that are rent controlled or low income housing oh, okay. whatever, however you're defining it mm-hmm. and there's a lottery and it, it it's just like if you go back to even if you think about this from a research perspective if your population is heterogeneous and you have a you know a standard you know a normal curve of all types represented it's a better sample i think that's what makes our neighborhood so great right is we actually i think we have just the perfect balance mm-hmm. of every type of social class distribution and if we could get the whole city like that i think everyone would be happier because like you're saying even that really the five hundred thousand plus neighborhoods are homogenous and then of course if we put all the low-income housing in one section i don't think that's healthy either i don't think it's good for anything yeah. schools and- well, and, and even then, you, the $500,000 houses and the helpfulness, there was a post on the neighborhood page from yesterday that storm kicked up and there was a young family out for a walk and a person in their house saw them and got in their car and drove down to the street. I saw that. And right. said, do you need a ride? Like, it started to just downpour and, and it turns out they actually, I think they were just walking to the next house over. That was Alex's friend, actually. Yeah. And uh, so they were right there but they were I think they were a little like they posted like thank you so much like right. like you've never <laughs> seen me you them. don't know who I am but I'm yeah. out with a three year old and a three month old and someone immediately drove down to see can I help you are you okay can I get you know yeah. and that's the kind of thing that just I don't think it happens well, in a lot of places and I think that what's so neat here is that's just the natural character I think mm-hmm. of Bangor you know mm-hmm. I think uh, sometimes people will, will try to to regulate that and mm-hmm. figure out like how do we how do we create this mm-hmm. and it just exists here uh, and I guess we we saw that we just saw what what yeah. Bangor is and uh, and really re- decided even though we came here thinking we'll live here a couple years just do my my two-year Navy job and and move that was the plan back in 2008. Uh, we quickly decided, and Sarah was the driving factor, <laughs> that, uh, that we wanted to live here and and make this home and have this be where the boys grew up and uh, and had their friends that they knew, and it's worked out, I'd say, even better than we imagined it might. So Lindell was in kindergarten. So Lindell's been in Bangor school since kindergarten. Before, well, yes, uh, he's been in the school since kindergarten. He uh, Owen was in kindergarten. Owen was here. Oh, so, I guess I didn't yeah. realize that. That's so, how fast it goes, Kelly. Wow. Yeah. So oh Owen was gosh. in kindergarten. Ford was in second grade, and Lindell was a year old, I think. And uh, but within the first couple weeks of school. It felt like everybody at 14th Street School mm-hmm. knew all three boys, including Lindell. Yeah. Um, when it first snowed, uh, the the principal, who was uh, Dick Fournier, back mm-hmm. there then mm-hmm. at that time, uh, he made an announcement to the school who all ate lunch together, you know, in yeah. the gym cafeteria mm-hmm. at the same time. He made an announcement to all the students of, this is the first time the Smiley Boys have seen snow, Aww. so uh, make sure you guys help them out and how they need to get dressed when you go out for a recess. Oh, that's and so sweet. Yeah. Let's see, and this is 
Sarah also wrote a really nice column about leaving that school. Yes. And this is my, we're going into the last year okay. for our family at that school and having, it's it really is, like I, my older daughter, of course, has gone to the next schools up and there's something about that school and maybe it's because it's where they start and it's where they get their, it's small and it's where they get their sort of foundation for their love of learning that makes it so bittersweet to be at the heading into the home stretch there like oh I'm not going to be here for these events although a lot of kids come back and volunteer for the events after the the alumni will hunt me down for peep from PTO and be like we want to help at the fall jubilee what do you need yeah (laughs) and they'll come and they'll run games so Ingrid is planning on volunteering as long as she can because she likes doing that I know that uh Lyndall was invited back uh as one of the representatives or they may have invited back all the previous 14th street uh students from the from the year prior when they won that award a couple oh, right. years ago the blue and, ribbon yeah mm-hmm. the blue yeah, last ribbon year award. yeah okay and uh oh and yes they were they Lindell brought was, over the fairmount yes, kids yes yes so so Lindell was very proud to go back to his old school yeah. you know where he'd also seen his brothers go yeah. through and uh and be part of when they received that award that and Senator Collins was there, yeah. I think, when they received yeah, yeah. it. And uh, so kind of a, there's a lot of school pride there. And and we've seen that for all the schools that our boys have been at. Uh, and and I I think it exists really for all the Bangor schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones in, that we've seen our uh, sons attend, we've firsthand experienced it. Mm-hmm. Well, the so kinder, uh, Cameron finished kindergarten this past year and I went to pick him up on the last day of school so I walked in and we were all waiting all the parents were waiting in the waiting area I guess they just the kindergarten parents wait in that spot and all the other parents are waiting in a different area so anyways just kindergarten parents and the kindergarten teachers came out and they had their kids you know behind them and there's only two kindergarten teachers there right so the teacher walked out one of the teachers walked out and said okay everybody I have some sad kiddos today and she started the kids started coming out and almost the entire kindergarten between the two classes were crying i know so i and i was already a little emotional just because you know for whatever reason this kindergarten thing has really struck a chord with me i hadn't been an emotional mother at each of the stages just like okay this is what happens the next stage happens but kindergarten crushed me (laughs) so i start crying I am bawling and I am thinking, don't look at anybody. And so the principal, you know, and the teachers were all around. And I put my sunglasses down. I got camera and I just walked outside. So then later, the principal came up to me and he said, how you doing? I go, oh, that was really emotional. And he goes, yeah, I saw you. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, and he said, imagine when Maxwell finishes third grade. I, go, right. I can't even imagine yeah. it. And he said it's so hard for families that have been part of the school for multiple years. But I think what's so special about it is it's very small. All the teachers know everybody. They'll And like you said, they already know Maxwell. And he mm-hmm. doesn't even go there. And they really want him to go there for pre-K. And I feel like they're all cheering for me. like Because I didn't get him in. Okay. I had planned yeah. to send him somewhere else. And I decided to go with public pre-K. But it was full. So they're they're all is he getting is he in is there a spot yet and so I think it's I think that's what makes it special is it's small really small yes. and it's in it's our neighborhood so it's just an extent it's an extension of the community that exists in the neighborhood. I I hear about I have a friend who teaches in Colorado where there are no laws for 
uh, student-teacher ratios. A school is allowed to determine on their own what they think is appropriate. Okay. So, and you can imagine that a school is like, well, the more students we can get for the least amount of teachers is the better better thing. So she teaches a second grade classroom, mostly ESL, no aides, no paraeducators, 32 children. Wow. You know, and she was like, do you know what I could do if I had 15 kids and Mm -hmm. and we don't have a big esl population in our school and and we have floating ed techs and stuff like that so she was just amazed at what our school could offer so we could take that for granted Mm -hmm. i think a Mm -hmm. lot yeah yeah just the the quality of teachers that we have here too and their uh their true dedication to really helping all their individual Mm -hmm. students you know in addition to the class as a whole has really impressed us. I haven't, I have not had a single negative interaction with any of the teachers or principals at any of the Bangor schools. It's, it impresses me. It, re, I, in fact, it's not just, and, and it's but, not just a negative interaction. I'm, oh, I'm typically, I, I've had a lot of interactions and it's, I'm always very overwhelmed with, Overwhelmingly impressed, I guess is the word. Right, it's it's impressive. So I think for a small community, where people say like, "Why are you going to move to Bangor? Why do you live in Bangor?" They always ask why my neighbor lives in Bangor because he literally could live anywhere. And it's like, why wouldn't you live in Bangor? It's great here. You know, we have like you said, there's a lot to do. Uh, the schools are great. Neighborhoods are good. Do you ever get any from people when you're showing uh, to people who are coming here from? Oh, who are going to be new Mainers, not from away. It's a <laughs> negative connotation. <laughs> but when you're showing, do you ever get any interesting questions or are they ever surprised by anything? I guess uh, the the houses here are older. Mm-hmm. Yes. That can be surprising to people. Um, some basements can be surprising mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to people <laughs> as well. Um, one, uh, one experience we had, though, and this was not showing... Uh, houses but we were we were doing a little family trip down in southern uh, Maine one time and we were actually going on that narrow gauge railway down there oh yeah and so we had taken the boys there they were a little bit younger at the time but we ran into a family we didn't know but just you know saw them there with uh, children of similar ages who were from Massachusetts and uh, and we were talking to them a little bit they asked us what we were up to. We said we were on, I think, spring break at the time and just did a little day trip down there. And they looked at us and they said and found out we were from Bangor and asked, what do you do for schools up there? <laughs> and that just, I think uh, I think a lot of times people are, are surprised to realize, you know, yeah, we're we're up the road a couple hours, you know, from the border of Maine to the yeah. to uh, the rest of the continental U.S. But yeah, we're really civilized. A lot of people got a lot going on. A lot of people think Bangor is like northern Maine, which it is not. And you've flown to Fort Kent, yes. So you've seen. Have you ever driven to Fort Kent? I have. Yeah, that is. I'm like anyone who have you ever driven to Fort Kent, Kelly? I don't think I've gone all the way to Fort Kent, but James's family is from Fort Fairfield, and so I've been up there several yeah. times, and it's. Super I feel like funny. anyone who lives in Maine needs to. We all drive through Kittery, 
Yeah. Sure. You know, once a year. Like, it's it's much more common to drive through Kittery. No one ever drives through Fort Kent. And I feel like you can't understand how big Maine is until you have driven <laughs> to Fort Kent. All the way there, yeah. All the way up. Well, all my, the way back. my one of my close friends and college roommates is from Madawaska. And she said for high school prom, the entire town comes out. And cheers them on. Oh wow! To just to see they what do that. In, they do that in Woodland too. Yeah, just to see what they're wearing. You know, like it's an event. It's something to do. <laughs> yes. So we talk about the civilized areas. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. so funny. What do you do for schools? Oh well, we have to get the books shipped right. in by pony. I wasn't sure. I, I Dustin and I had been looking at some houses. I was tagging along. I'm not a real estate agent, but I wasn't sure how you were feeling about my commentary because I we were with people who were concerned about the basements. Right. I said, oh, they all. Don't ever count on a dry basement, even if they yeah. say it's dry. We yes. live in Maine, I mean. Usually there's there's some time of year, right, that uh, you'll get something April. in a basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whether it's because of uh, the snow melt or a lot of rain or, you know, right now as humid as it is with some condensation potentially from, from pipes and stuff. So, uh, yeah, there's in the older houses – Usually there's something that you're going to find that is uh, is different than ideal. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, sometimes that's what you deal with, with, with an older home, with a lot of uh, charm to it. And I guess there's there are professionals that understand these things and can help people deal with them, too. That's, and a, the other thing that's too the thing is, to always remember. The other thing, too, is that I feel like my... My house is a 1954 house. Yours is probably similar. 1950. Probably. Yeah, because yeah, that whole neighborhood came up at about the same time. And I feel like my house is so much more well-constructed than some of my friends who have bought these new houses. When we looked, mm-hmm. there was a, a builder, relatively infamous in the area, who was putting up a new set of houses in Brewer. And it was like, three bedroom, two bath, two car garage. And I was like, and so I talked to our agent at the time and I was like, what about this? And he was like, I'll sell you anything, but I wouldn't let that guy build me a doghouse. And I was like, all right, well, we, that's why we have you. Like, I trust that. And so we wiped it off the table. And at the same time, one of my colleagues was building a house with this guy. And so I would go to her house for the construction and be kind of like, oh, man, that's where her second floor laundry is going to be and all those HGTV things. Right. And we bought our house, which is not an HGTV house. And about a I year I don't know after, the curb appeal, though. The lime green door with the dark blue. Now. Yeah. And especially once I finished painting my steps. But then we went to um, I went to a party at her house about a year after she moved in and you leaned against the island and it slid. And you looked and you just looked around at just like the. Oh, Oh, no. Decline. I don't want to accept her. My mother calling me. (laughs) Does she listen to the show as well? She does. We'll we'll cut that out. Okay. So I was like, you know, I don't want to. Or the trim. You look at the trim, and instead of having, like, mitered corners, it was just, like, one by fours butted up against each other. And it just, like, little things that I didn't realize I would notice, I noticed. And I come back to my house, and I'm like, yep, it's a 1,000 square feet. It's got one bathroom, but it's warm and dry and solid as a rock. And I just, I do feel like there's something to be said about, there are some excellent, amazing builders who are doing great new homes. But there are also some that are putting them up because people are seeing the, the walk-in closet and not the sliding island. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, we we got up here and saw that people kind of make do with uh, 
with some inconveniences, mm-hmm. you know, up here when you're dealing with the real winter like we get here um, and and some of the challenges that just living in uh, in this climate brings um, and some of the economic uh, factors of the area too, people just seem to to find a way to to make do um, mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. here and and we kind of embrace that ourselves I think mm-hmm. when we had come from uh, where we had only lived in new houses actually yeah. prior to uh, moving to Maine we had previously owned three different houses and each one of them was brand new when when we bought the house mm-hmm. and and then we came up here and realized there was there certainly wasn't the selection of those new houses and and we kind of also understood why people uh, were satisfied with the older houses because of some of those uh, older construction standards, just materials that used to be available mm-hmm. that are a little bit more expensive, you know, right. so mm-hmm. almost prohibitive now where people mm-hmm. don't build with, uh, with some of uh, the same, I guess, wood and lumber that they used to use that was more available back when many of these houses were built. Yeah, well, I think that, my house is 1909. Or yeah, Gretchen will go older. ahead and validate it on the tax card later. But <laughs> I think I think it's yours it's is older, well over 100 years old. But yeah. it's this baby solid as a rock. Right. Yeah. Well, and some of the new construction. So there was I remember reading that there was issues in homes like in Massachusetts where it was the concrete that they had used to pour the foundations went bad and was like the crumbling. So their foundations were going out. Or then there was an issue with drywall from China that wasn't up to the same safety standards. Or there was a flooring company that had some kind of problem. I forget what was in the flooring, but like they had to do a recall on all this flooring. And I mean, can you imagine having your flooring recalled, what that nightmare that would be, or having your foundation literally crumbling Mm. underneath you and nobody being responsible, and you've just put a $300,000 house on top of it. So, yep, I have a wet corner in my basement. Right. (laughs) And we know where it is, and we work around it. Yes. And I have a dehumidifier was purchased with our washer and dryer when we bought our house, and it runs, especially right now, it runs a lot. Sure. And But, you know, you work around it, and we have the neighborhood. Then you walk outside, and I have a beautiful yard, and I have a beautiful street, and I have walking distance to... Straight to my house? Ever, straight to your house, mm-hmm. yes. Straight, so, to, straight to your house? Yeah. You guys, doesn't he live right behind you? No. I, I always, when I get over there, I get lost <laughs> there's all kinds of yeah. side i feel like over on my side it's like one two three you know the streets yeah. are just they're just like three or four streets but when you get on the over where you guys live there's so many little streets i've never yes. even heard of before yeah, and, yeah. it's yeah. very walkable you know yeah, yeah it is if you know where you're going rideable i you know i wouldn't want to live out there i tell my girls all the time we could have a huge house if we didn't live in Bangor, but I want to live in a neighborhood, and they do too. They like being able to hop on their bike and ride around, visit friends, do whatever. So they're into it. They they have un- they understand that position. So you you must be pretty busy between balancing a full time job. So you work full time for LifeLight. Yes, I'm I'm on the full time schedule, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's shift work for us. So we have our stretch of shifts, and then get an equivalent. Uh, number of days off before we start up again but that's the full-time schedule mm-hmm. and then you do the real estate right and then you are on a lot of boards so do you I, feel like you're actually retired i i i would say i'm 
I'm not uh, fully retired in the sense of not working anymore. <laughs> right. That's for sure. I retired from the Navy, definitely. Uh, and I've voluntarily signed myself up for all these things. Uh, so they're all things that I enjoy, but it has kept my schedule pretty full, mm-hmm. which I think is good. I, w- I wanted to be involved. Uh, I'd, I'd like, at times, I'd like to have more opportunities to go uh, get around a golf in with the boys, mm-hmm. you know. And <laughs> so sometimes I, I, I do think a little bit more free time would be nice, mm-hmm. um, but it's a, I'm, balancing it pretty well I mm-hmm. think. well i i've seen i've observed with highly motivated people who retire and they're so excited to retire they i have not met one yet that hasn't done just what you've done <laughs> right like i've sure. met i've met retired professors at conferences and uh, yeah, they're at conferences and they're at a conference because <laughs> right. they've now invented something that is totally unrelated to whatever research they did in their past life. But it's like, and then hearing there's like this one guy was telling me he just, he wanted a pedometer and uh, he couldn't find one. <laughs> and so he, so of course he went and bought all the possible pedometers and then he tested them all okay. for accuracy. <laughs> sure. And then he found that they weren't as accurate. And so he ended up developing his own. Can you wow. imagine being his partner though? Like right? he bought another pedometer. Yes, like yes. it's fine. Average. It's an average. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you know what ended up happening is his pedometer ended up getting picked up by the Summer Olympics when it was in, was it in Colorado? Well, the Olympic training, they train in Colorado. Okay. And um, they ended up handing them out to spectators to get their steps in while at the Olympics. And they got branded with the... With it was the, like for the Olympic trials. I think those happen in Colorado Springs. Okay. I can't have. remember the specific detail, but this pedometer thing is what actually happened. And I can't remember what the guy's original career was. Had nothing to do with fitness or pedometers. Wow. And I'm just <laughs> dying laughing because this is supposed to be his retirement. Now he's full in on a business. He just like wound himself into a business. And there's another nursing professor who um, her father ended up getting Alzheimer's disease and he she was trying to figure out a way to keep him home so she ended up getting herself into like app development and tracking him at home with alarms and this and that and then she, next thing you know she owns a business yeah because everyone wants that yeah that capability <laughs> and probably she she wanted to sell it because she's a nurse she's like I'm not a business person I just want out but she'd gone in with some app person who's like no 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 we can't get out this is big and she's like great now I own a business <laughs> and probably going to be a pretty successful sure. one so I don't think you're alone I think it seems like I I don't, I don't think I will ever retire I mean I'll probably retire from my like like you have choice that's what I that's yeah. that's that's what I'm thinking someday you know I'll do a lot of things but it'll be like what I want to do the freedom right. to choose and, the freedom to yeah. choose I'd be very busy but well, we still have uh three boys who I expect are all going to want to go to college. Right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we, there's that. We want to be able to help them a little yeah. bit just so that uh, they can choose where they go to school. Yeah. yeah. So that'll, there's some upcoming expenses I need to make sure we're prepared for as well. Well, those boys yeah. are so smart. You just may luck yourself into a sweet scholarship. That, that would be great. Yeah. Sure. I saw. If anyone wants to provide a scholarship, you can find them. At- <laughs> yeah. I saw those. I saw them in the paper. Highest honors and oh, yes, honors, yes, yep. Yes. So I don't know. You know, they, they maybe do well. they will. Maybe they will get themselves some financial reward for that. 
<laughs> All right, so let's wrap up. Want to do some favorite things? Yeah, let's start All with right. Dustin. Okay, I this may have been done before, but can I say Bangor as uh, as it's a your favorite fa- thing? Dustin, okay. it's your favorite thing. All right, so <laughs> I, I will say that uh, that my favorite thing today is Bangor, and uh, because it's now home for us, mm-hmm. and uh, and we certainly chose Bangor as our home. And we feel like it's kind of chosen us, too, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so we really feel like we've become a part of the community, been welcomed here, uh, have really limitless opportunities of, of ways that we could get involved in the community. And I would say that uh, anyone who's already here or looking for a place where they could get involved and become part of the community, I think Bangor is a, a great place to do that. Mm-hmm. I would definitely agree. We were out with one of our friends for her birthday, and we were having a conversation. I don't know if you were there or not, Gretchen, but I think you were. You'll know when I say it. And we were saying how you can make anything happen in Bangor because right. you know everybody pretty much. And so we were having this whole talk about all the things that you can make happen and the things that have happened. And then all of a sudden, um, a birthday cake came out, and she goes, Oh, how did you guys do that? <laughs> Because we knew the owner. Right. Were you there that night? I don't think so. Oh, it was so funny. We were all, uh, it was, it was like perfectly on cue. That's, of course, that wasn't the intention. Like, see, any, it's so So, small, you just know everybody. And one example of that was uh, we were going out for our anniversary for dinner one time. One of, and there's some great restaurants here in Bangor. One of our favorite restaurants is the Fiddlehead Restaurant. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we always think is neat there is they do a trivia question um, there at the restaurant. Every day they have one. So Sarah and I were going for our anniversary to dinner there. And so she knew that. That wasn't a surprise. But I called them ahead and I asked if they would possibly consider doing a specific (laughs) trivia question that night. And they did. And it was... The answer was uh, our wedding song, which is the long and winding road. And so, so we were there, and you know, just having dinner. And at some point, Sarah noticed the trivia question. That was that was pretty neat. But that, those are the types of things that happen here because you mm-hmm. you just uh, after you live here, you just get to know everybody, and uh, and people like to be part of kind of those neat things that happen around here. Yeah, for my sister's 21st birthday, I actually called the bar that we were going to end up at and they made her a Care Bear. This drink of the night was a Care Bear and that's her nickname and they made like a special drink just for her and so she thought that was so cool. Now, one more thing about you and Sarah. You've known each other since you were three? I actually younger than that. (laughs) So um, our, our fathers were both in the same squadron, Navy squadron. Um, back in the mid-70s. So they were on deployment on an aircraft carrier at sea uh, when Sarah was born. And so uh, our moms being in the same spouse club back then, they called it a wives club back in 1976 time frame, <laughs> I guess this would have been. And, uh, and my mom took me with her to the hospital to see, you know, her friend. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so uh, we like to say that I met Sarah before her dad ever did. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but we, 
as Navy families do, you know, our families went lots of different directions. Um, and we, you know, we kind of grew up knowing each other a little bit, knowing of each other. And uh, it wasn't until we were in our 20s that we started dating. But we kind of have a lot of uh, family history. Our parents know each other well. And, uh, and you know, we've kind of crossed paths along the way before we ever got together. It's kind of neat to to have those some pictures from like her her third birthday party yeah. think, <laughs> and, and from when uh our fathers were coming home from deployment and and things like that. We can we have some memories together too from uh when we were children as well. That's so, That's so cute. Cool. It's really cute. All right, what's yours, Kelly? My favorite thing is Lucerne Beach Club. It's my first year as a member. You you used to. Be I had to convince yes. you to do that a little bit too. Uh, I know I did. I didn't know if I'd use it enough because we have a family camp, and it, so we usually go there on the weekends. And I just wasn't sure if I'd get my money's worth. But it's so close. Right. You show up. They have everything you need. They have the lawn chairs, the umbrellas. They've got a snack shack if you don't want to bring food. They've got grills if you want to cook it. Uh, they pretty much. I've learned quickly that the neighborhood pretty much just relocates there. In uh, the summer, so play dates, yeah, on demand. That's great. Don't have to worry about that. That's great. So yeah, I'm, I really, I'm, I'm really loving, loving the it. Beach Club, and it's, uh, you know, and for here it's like a luxury. It's three hundred dollars a year, and I always say right. that it's my camp payment. I don't have a camp. I probably won't right. have a camp. Sorry, I can't hire you to find me a camp. But I can. <laughs> but then I have. If you change your mind, let me know. I will. <laughs> but then for $300, I don't have to worry about taxes or upkeep or did the tree just fall on my camp right. in the winter? Or do I need to go shovel it out? Did the pipes yeah. freeze? Get them so, on the lawn. Right, yeah. exactly. And I, and I was talking, I went on July 1st and then didn't go again until this week because of all of our travel this summer. But I was saying, uh, talking to a friend who was in a similar boat and I was like, I've decided to look at it as by hour. So you would pay, I think it's $15 an hour to go to the trampoline park. Yeah. Right? So... And if I we spent eight hours there, she and I with our kids the other day. Yeah. Yesterday I spent five hours, so I'm slowly working down. I'm at about ten dollars an hour. At yeah. This point. Okay. So and I'm still gonna go. Summer's not over and yet. Summer's not over. So like if I look at it as per hour, so yeah. I was telling one of my other friends that she's like, oh, that is brilliant. I'm gonna use that because she was feeling a little guilty about not feeling like she didn't use it enough because she'd only been out like four times. I'm like, but how long were you here? Yeah. So, right. The beach club is is wonderful, especially it's been a hundred degrees and it's been oh so gosh. nice to go out there yeah. and just be in the water. It's crystal clear. Actually, one of a new Mainer who works with me was there and she was like walking out and she'd been there. But she's like she was talking to her friend that was with her. She's like, I just I still can't believe I can still see down. I can still see that. And she's like walking That's out right. and it's the water is so clear. And Phillips Lake. Phillips Lake is beautiful. That she is. and I. So she's just amazed. I'm like, I know. I'm like, this is great. Like, yeah, it's, we mm-hmm. get a lot of snow, but then we have this. Six mm-hmm. months will be frozen over, but we have this in the summer. Can I put a plug in too, just yeah. for something there Absolutely. out on Phillips Lake? Uh, there's a Lucerne Yacht Racing Union. That's the name of it. Lucerne <laughs> Maine uh, Yacht Racing Union. That sounds Lumiru. very fancy. I've been trying yeah. to decode that it's, for weeks. That <laughs> sign. So it's a. Uh, it's a. All it really is is a group of people who enjoy sailing, and they put sailboat races on every Sunday oh. uh, on Phillips Lake, and and they would love to get new members. So uh, and this is and I feel like we need to clarify that this is not. Yacht sailboat. This no. is yeah. the yacht is a little tongue in cheek. Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> so yes, very much so. Last year we had borrowed a sunfish, which is a very small, you know, one 
if you stretch it, you could get two people on a sailboat, not very fast. Um, and it, uh, we raced that out last year, uh, and it race in quotation marks because not, not very fast came in last every time. <laughs> uh, we now have some, have a, uh, catamaran. Um, this is very, very old catamaran that someone actually gifted to us cause they were moving to Arizona. Wow. Saw we had a few boys who should be sailing and <laughs> asked us to keep this boat sailing for them. Uh, so we've done that. Our standings really don't improve. <laughs> but we love to get out there. And the other folks in uh, in the sailing group are always happy to, to help give some pointers, you know, even go on, out on a boat with people to to help them learn, you know, or try to get better at sailing. So we would love more people to come join the races out there. I'm nervous about the idea of a sailboat because I know my son, Cameron, is now obsessed with a paddleboard. And I know Gretchen's daughter, Ingrid, yes. would like a paddleboard. And those are not ex- uh, necessarily cheap. cheap. <laughs> and so a sailboat, gosh, he go on a sailboat once and I never hear the end of that. I think. Right. But you know that, when I, so in talking about paddleboards with different people, apparently one of the things you can do with a paddleboard is that you can get like a like a sail for the paddle where you hold, so you can paddle and then you can like put a little sail up to help the wind push you across. So oh, maybe we wow. could like two birds, one stone. Oh. Be perfect. Like and then we could sail yeah. the paddle board with the That would club. be fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. So mine this week is going, has to be my heat pump. Oh, I wish I would have used that one too. <laughs> because it has been incredibly hot. We were supposed to be camping. That's why initially I wasn't going to be able to do this recording because we were supposed to be camping. But because of the heat and the thunderstorms predicted, we are very fair weather campers. Mm-hmm. Like we want to go and have fun, not have terrified children in a tent with mm-hmm. lightning striking all sure. around us. So we called off our camping trip and went to the beach club instead. But then I would come home and my heat pump is because I ha- and because I have a small house and because it's well constructed and it's well insulated we heat our house with our heat pump 90 percent of our heat comes from it it we have used 100 gallons of oil in the last two years oh wow yeah and for and people say that and they're like oh oh well that's something i had someone come to talk about natural gas i'm like well here's our numbers and he was like you don't, don't want do me it. don't do it you just, I, you, yeah. you're already you figured it out sure <laughs> so don't worry about natural gas and then in the Summer, it is such a great... It doesn't air condition the upstairs. We have fans upstairs. But for downstairs, I I mean, anyone without a heat pump definitely did not cook a dinner on the stove last night. No. And I did. Yeah. You know, too. like yeah. just to be able to do that and just to walk in and have it be nice and cool. We actually had the girls sleep down there the last two nights because it was so hot in their rooms. We said, guess what? You get to have a sleepover on the couch. We have a ceiling fan, which I think is a little bit more better than the tower fans the girls have. But I love my heat pump. I tell everyone... I know. Just get one. It is the best thing. It, mm-hmm. We put it in five years ago, and my husband said, we're never using the AC. He really hated air conditioning. He's like, well, we're not going to use the AC. We're just going to use the heat. We'll see how it works. And I was home. There was one day it was really hot, and I was home with a sick kid, and I had an eye appointment. And so I said, well, can you come home and watch her while I go off? Sure. So he came home from work. I went to my eye doctor appointment. I came back, and when I opened the door, it felt like I was walking into Hannaford. Like the <laughs> cold air hit yes. me. And I was like, you hit the button first. (laughs) So that means I can hit it whenever I want now. And he was like, well, it actually worked pretty well. But what we actually found out, because I am a nerd and have spreadsheets, we spent less 
the year that we started using our heat pump for air conditioning than we had in the years before using fans all over the house. Oh, wow. The fans used more energy than just running the air conditioner. And once I could put that data out, I'm like... (laughs) Really, we're saving money when we hit this button. Then it worked out very well. So did well. Sarah ask you to say that for your family? Oh, you don't, you don't have a heat she's, pump? We don't. And oh, she's, uh, you need she's one. She's advocating. Right I 100%. May, and I will tell you, main yeah. alternative comfort is who I have used. My parents just put some in this year at their house. And he is great. He is, you know, I always, I when I talk to people, I'm like, he's not, he's kind of not, he's a efficiency physics um, instructor. He's very into the math. He's not like a salesman. So he doesn't do the hard sell. He just gets excited about the idea of energy efficiency and all the things it can do. And so main alternative comfort, Mac heat pumps, okay. is who I have used and have recommended to count. I don't, I anyone I've recommended them to and they've gotten them, I have never had anyone come back and say, yeah, it was kind of a stupid decision. We probably shouldn't. Everyone is, this week, everyone's like, beep, we're done. We have air. It's great. I think you should absolutely do it. And I know Efficiency Maine has some rebates right yeah. now. The city too. of Bangor does too. I don't know if they still have any left, but the city of Bangor was also doing rebates. Okay. So I need to look into that one as well then. Yeah. Yeah. We got a heat pump two years ago for the downstairs living room because it's not that it's an addition and it just doesn't heat that well and I'm always cold and so James bought me one for my birthday <laughs> and I never intended to use it for cooling but we used Troy Williams who I love and I highly yeah. recommend him too um, and so we put it in for heating and then the next year it was uh, last summer there was like one or two hot days and we turned it on and it, it's in five minutes you're in t- our, it does our entire downstairs you could your setup at your house yeah. is ideal. Oh yeah, okay. you could heat and cool with it. Your layout is wow. Open layouts do the best with the heat pumps. And ours isn't even super open, but it's a circular floor plan. Yeah, and our stairs act as like a chimney, so it and the heat convects up the hot warmest spot in our house is like the bedroom at the top of the stairs because the heat convects up there. And we the only time we have to run our furnace is usually because it's a really cold snap and we have our kitchen pipes are across a sill in the coldest spot in our basement and so we will turn on the furnace to warm up that spot which always feels so stupid but that's what we have to do to to make it work but then it's we keep a we have a a thermometer down there to keep track of it so it gets down to like 35 at that where that pipe is then we'll turn on the furnace and warm it up for a couple hours and then we're good for and if you're only doing 50 gallons i mean a year that's not much yeah (laughs) exactly exactly so Mm -hmm. we love our heat pump so we can't really heat fully with ours just yeah yeah we've got a bunch of zones and a heat pump kind of messes with our zones but the cooling feature right in fact i bought it for heat but i love it most for cooling it's amazing well, do you feel how cool it was when you walked yeah, in? Yeah, it was very comfortable. It's like having central AC yeah. for a next to nothing price. Right. <laughs> See, she's the salesman. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining Yay. us Thanks today. Thanks for having Thanks, me. This Dustin. has been fun. Yes. And uh, you can always find us on Facebook by looking at Balancing Chaos. And you can uh, send us, you can leave us a review on iTunes and Stitcher. Send us an email if you have anything you want to discuss. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.